All right, let's jump right on in here to 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 1. This is, uh, uh, I wish, I wish I could tell you, uh, they, they asked me right before the service, Josh and Buchanan was walking down the hallway, and they said, Preacher, you got a good one tonight? And I said, well, I said, to be honest with you, it's kind of sad. I said, we, we have a situation where Paul is in prison. Uh, he's an elderly gentleman. Uh, he's lonely, he's cold, it's bad, and he knows it's it. This is his last letter. This is kind of like his swan song. And uh, so it, it is kind of sad. From what we have studied, especially if you've been in here in Wednesday night Bible studies, we went through the book of Acts. Uh, you were there when he got saved. You were there uh, when he was commissioned and called. Uh, you were there, if, if you were here in the Bible study, you were there in the book of Acts when he went from city to city and uh, went through all he went through, and now we're at the end. And this is his last letter uh, written to his protege. And so, so this is going to be a really, really good letter. talks about the end a lot and what's going to be in the last days, and I believe that's where we're at. Would you say amen? amen. So... Uh, uh, let's just jump right in there. And uh, by the way, uh, this weekend went really good. Uh, I was able to preach and spend some time with a group of people uh, in, in Logan, Ohio, uh, and be able to present the DMD ministry there. And uh, they seem to be excited about it, and they're looking forward to kicking off their training center in Logan, Ohio. So we have our first extended training center uh, that's going to take place. So let's give God glory and praise and honor right there. Amen. Remember what we said. This is not just a ministry. It's a movement. Amen. Amen. It's a movement. Let's just jump right in here. Verse number one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy. Now, now watch this. Watch the difference. If you were in the study with first Timothy, uh, he says, my son in the faith. But I want, you to, I want you to look at the difference in the tone of the letter. Uh, how many of y'all know when somebody is on the deathbed, things are drastically different? When you're on your deathbed, you don't think about the golf game, and you don't think about one more day at work, and you don't think about, you only talk about what's really important. And, and you want the people around you who are the closest to you. In, le- in the first letter, Paul was still traveling, and, I, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But he said, my son in the faith. But watch how he's wording it now. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son. See the difference in the tone? It's a different situation. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing... I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois, in thy mother Eunice, and I I am persuaded that's in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee, by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, 
who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereinto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. And now he says, for this cause, for the which cause I also suffer these things. In other words, that's why I'm in this prison. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Say those next two words. Say it again. Say it again. This is the theme. This is the theme. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. That good thing is the truth. The truth that was delivered to him by Paul. That good thing. He said guard, keep. This thou knowest that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me of whom are Phagellus and her. Hermogenes, the Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for the privilege of being in, in, in your house here tonight with your people centered around your word. And Lord, this is, a, this is a letter that is so important to us in the day that we live in. It's so easy to want to quit and so easy to want to give up and throw in the towel. Lord, sometimes we see things that, that are so difficult and hard and and, and Lord, we just sometimes say, what's the use? It's kind of what Timothy was filling in this, Lord, and, and Paul's encouraging him. And I pray that you will encourage your people tonight. I pray that we will see what we need. Lord, we don't want to just see what the Word is saying. We want to see what the Word is saying to us. And God, make it personal tonight. Speak to every individual in this room. Whatever it is they're facing, whatever it is they're going through, I pray in Jesus' name that you will bless, honor, and, and Lord, edify your saints tonight. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> as we went through, as we went through the book of Acts, <clears throat> uh, we, we kind of see the big picture of the ministry of Paul. And just out of curiosity, how many of, you, how many of you was with us during the book of Acts study? Raise your hand. Raise your hand real high so I can see it. All right, so you're really familiar, you're really familiar with this. Uh, uh, Paul was, was saved. Uh, he, was, he was commissioned. He went forth on, on three missionary journeys, going, uh, winning souls, making disciples, uh, Timothy here is one of the disciples that, that he, most likely he was saved on the first missionary journey and was commissioned on the second missionary journey. Uh, some scholars believe he was around 15 years old, a young teenager, 
uh, when Paul asked him to join him on the second missionary journey. And, and so here Timothy is, a young man, a young uh, uh, believer, following Paul, learning from Paul, being discipled by Paul, uh, being trained by Paul uh, in, in, in all of this ministry as they go. And as we studied last, I say last time, last book, 1 Timothy, uh, uh, he has left Timothy in Ephesus. Uh, at, in, in, in between time, we find uh, that he, Paul has been uh, arrested. We know that at the end of Acts, he was arrested and he went to Rome, right? How many of y'all remember that? Went to Rome. Uh, he was kind of on house arrest there in Rome, in, uh, in, in which was really, uh, in, in, in the big scheme of things, it was not all that bad, considering what we're going to find out right now. Uh, it wasn't all that bad. Uh, he had people could come and go at, at, at Paul's leisure. Uh, he was able to witness to uh, most of the Praetorian Guard and the elite of Rome. Many of them got saved. Uh, and, and it wasn't that bad. Well, he was released. He was released after the first imprisonment. And uh, he met up with Timothy again and Titus. And in and, and, and just a little bit, he was arrested again. And the second arrest was way different than the first. This time he was not uh, on house arrest. This time he was kept in the Mamertine prison. And when we use the word prison, understand it's not prison like we think prison, where somebody goes and stays for a long period of time. The Romans didn't believe in that. The Romans believed whatever, you, whatever your punishment was, you got it right away. Are y'all with me? In other words, you didn't sit in a cell for extended periods of time and then are executed or whatever. Uh, you, you either went to a, 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 prison or a, a, a work camp where you had to bust rocks or whatever that might be, you were exiled or you were executed. I mean, that was basically, basically the deal. In this Mamertine prison uh, was basically a hole in the ground. And it was where you were kept temporarily before your execution. It was for the higher up prisoners, uh, political prisoners, whatever uh, that you might want to put there. And it was just, it was an awful place. It was an awful place. I've got pictures they've discovered, uh, if, if we can put them up there. Uh, this was the opening. This was the only opening they had. They would lower the prisoners down through this particular hole right here. All right, go to the next one. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind this altar has been put there way after. And so if you want to just kind of put your hand there and don't see that, but look at everything else. This is, this is where Paul stayed. No comforts, barely any light, barely any light, if all. Uh, no sanitation. Most, most ancient writers and, and historians, uh, when they would, they would describe this particular place, uh, one of the, one of the, the, the uh, uh, clearest descriptions they would give and they would talk about, the worst part about it would be the stench. And you can only imagine the stench if there's no sanitation. So you just run that through your mind and figure that out. Somebody say amen. All right, so look at the next one. This is the top of the hole as they lower you in. I think that was it. Is that, is that all of them or is there? This is the outside. This is the outside. If you go, you see where those gates are, you would go down those gates into the doors and it would be in the second level. But basically, he's in a hole in the ground. He's in a hole in the ground. Upon the writing of 2 Timothy, 
is about four years, a little over four years from 1 Timothy. So in 1 Timothy, if you'll remember, if you'll remember as you go back, you'll find out that he was expecting to come and see Timothy again. Remember? He says, I'm coming to see you, but if I, if I tarry long, I'm going to write this so you'll know how thou oughtest behave thyself in the house. Y'all remember that? And, and so he had every intention to come visit Timothy, but now he can't. Now he can't. In, in the first letter, it was kind of upbeat. And it was kind of, uh, hey, rah, rah, cheerleader. You know, hey, 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 everything's going to be good. I'm going to come see you. Everything's going to be. But now it's different. There's a totally different tone to this letter. There's a, just a totally different atmosphere. You know, Paul had expectation of much ministry ahead. But now he knows, he knows he's fixing to die. Most likely he's already heard his sentence. He knows he's going to be beheaded. He knows his time on earth is short. And in the verse he said, he greatly desires to see him. He said, come quick. Come quick. If, if you read the whole letter, and I would encourage you to do that. You could, you could read this whole letter in just a few minutes time. And I would encourage you to do that every week. Because it would enhance every single chapter that we go through. But this is what we find. We find a man of God who's in his, in his early 60s. Okay, he's in his early 60s. Now, but keep in mind, this is not a normal early 60s. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm a little over 40. <clears throat> and there's things that hurt on me right now that I didn't even know I owned. Does anybody have a witness right there? And it seems like every day that goes by, I find that I own more things. And I'm, I'm just a little over 40. And I haven't had, you know, that rough of a life. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty you know, docile compared. Paul's been beaten with rods. Paul has been stoned with stones and left for dead. Paul has been in multiple shipwrecks. I mean, imagine this man's body has been so broken and abused and mistreated and in and, and the miles that he has traveled. He wasn't traveling in an airplane, guys. He's walking. He was either on ship or he was walking. And so we find a, an, an older gentleman in his early 60s who's had a very, very, very difficult time, who suffered immensely. Now imagine that, and the reason I'm saying this is because I want you to get the whole picture. I want, you to, I want you to completely understand the gravity of this situation and where Paul is at when he's writing this letter to encourage Timothy. There's no Tylenol. There's no arthritis medicine. You know he's eat up with arthritis with the amount of broken bones he's probably endured. It's damp. It's cold. He's begging for a cloak. When they asked me, when they asked me, he's going to be good tonight, preacher? I said, well, it's, it's kind of sad because here we have a man of God who was so full of life and, 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 and just has done so much for God. And now he's in a prison and it's dark and it's cold and he's lonely and everybody's forsaken him. This is where Paul is. And the bad part about the whole deal 
is not necessarily Paul's situation. It's not necessarily Paul's location. It's that the things in Ephesus has gotten worse too. Not only has, has, has Timothy struggled, all right? Timothy, and, and just as a reminder, you remember the first letter, uh, Timothy is a younger man with an established church with older people, and he's having to fix some problems. There's false teachers that's come in and trying to teach false doctrine, and he's trying to deal with that, and Paul is encouraging him, and he wanted to quit. He wanted to give up. He wanted, it's just not worth it. He's struggling. And now, now it's gotten worse. Did you read, did you remember when we read the part? He said, I'm mindful of thy, their tears. Word has gotten back, back to Paul that it's not, he's not just tired and he's not just discouraged. He, I mean, he's to the point of tears. He's thinking, I can't do this. Timothy's probably thinking, I'm not you, Paul. Paul, I can't do what you did. I don't have, I don't, I'm just, and Paul is trying to help him understand, you don't have to be Paul. You don't have to be me. The same thing that's in me is in you. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm feeling it, so just roll with me, amen? Amen. Timothy's just, he's timid. And I don't want to use the word cowardly, because that's awful powerful a word, but that's what he's struggling with. He's really timid. And I can appreciate that. There's been so many times in my ministry that I just, I'm not no chicken. But sometimes it's just like, oh. can anybody say amen right there? Amen. I want to be bold. I want to just, but sometimes, man, I can. I can really relate to Timothy here. And so this is what's going on. People have abandoned him. Did you, did you hear? And I know I'm getting ahead of myself again, but just I'm just, he said all of Asia is abandoning. Now, if you've been here through the book of Acts, these are people that he risked his life to go to and he led them to the Lord and he ministered to them and spent years with them, discipling them and helping them and encouraging them. And now that he's in the darkest time of his life, they've turned their back on him. And he keeps using this word, he keeps using this word ashamed. So some way or another, some way or another, shame is involved in what Paul is dealing with because he's in prison. They, and he even said at my first answer, they, no one stood with him. Nobody from Asia came to defend the Apostle Paul and say that all of the allegations were false. They could have stood with him, but they didn't. You know what that's like it's, it's a, as a pastor that you've worked with people and, and you witness to people and you witness to people and, and, and man, you were there when they got saved and you were there when they came down the altar. You was probably the one that baptized them. And man, you were there when, when their kid was sick and when their wife threatened to leave them and, 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 and when their son was in the car accident and when this went on and when that went on and then, and then when you needed them. They don't even want to know you. Are y'all with me? This is where we're at. 
This is the Apostle Paul's swan song. He knows it. He knows it's it. He knows it's his life is almost over. But he's not complaining about his arthritis. He's not complaining about the poor facilities. He's concerned that his dearly beloved son would stick it out. And what's the title of the lesson? Look at your neighbor and say, hang in there. Tell them again, they didn't believe you. How many of y'all know in in the walk of life we live, sometimes you just got to hang in there? I'm not talking about making progress. I'm not talking about being successful. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not even talking about experiencing accomplishment. I'm just saying, just hang in there. Just hang in there. That is this letter. Hold fast. Let's let's King James it, y'all. Look at your neighbor and tell him, hold fast. Let's add to it. (laughs) No, let's don't. Let's don't. Does everybody get it? Now, let's go through it. What's the first thing that we see? Right away, right away. Did you notice, did you notice in, in most of the first letter? I mean, we're going to see some of it in this letter. But most in the first letter, it was more of a rigid coach getting in a player's face. Tough up, boy. It, it, it's like my, it's like my, my aunt. I, I, I had to preach my grandmother's funeral and I was really young in the time. I was in my 20s. And man, I, I, you know how you, when, you, when you, you just, you can't talk because you, you done got emotional and, 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 and you're crying and you, you're trying to get your composure. And well, my aunt, she's like 6'2", and, 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 and she could drive a boat better than any man alive. She's a commercial fisherman on Lake Okeechobee. When I, when I was growing up, she was sitting on the front row. And this is what she did right in the middle of my grandmother's funeral. I'm crying. I can't even get control of myself. She said, hey, buck up, boy. You know what I did? That's right. That's the first letter. It's, hey, hey, come on now, let's go. I charge thee. Here we go. And we're going to see some of that in this letter. But this one's more, this, this, this is just different. He says, my son in the faith. That's kind of, that's kind of, you know. But now he says, my dearly beloved son. Can y'all see the difference? Yes. Now watch. He's encouraging him. <clears throat> so the first thing I want you to write down. In your notes, write this down. We see reminders that Paul gives him. Reminders to inspire courage. Verses 1 through 7. We're going to find reminders to inspire courage. Can y'all think... Can y'all think of a time ever before 
compared to right now when courage is so necessary today? How many of y'all would agree right now we need some courage of God's people to hold on? Hold on. Look what he tells him. How does he, how does he encourage Timothy in these verses? He says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Write this down. First, he, he describes his love. He's showing, he's showing Timothy his love, his, his affection toward him. So we have a reminder of Paul's affection. That's A. A, we see Paul's affection. Then I'm going to give you the three things underneath that, all right? Let's read, let's read 2, 3, and 4. <clears throat> to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing... I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. So in these three verses, we see three things that describe Paul's affection for him. First, his love, verse 2. He told him he loved him. What can we learn from that? Don't assume it. Don't assume somebody knows you care about them. Don't assume that somebody knows you love him. Paul is making sure that his son in the faith understands how he feels about him. And by the way, by the way, if you, if you look at other letters that Paul has written and what he has said about Timothy in other letters, he said that Timothy is the only one that was of same heart, same mind. In other words, the only one that thought the same and wanted the same and desires the same is me. In other words, Paul is saying, if it's not me, it'll be him. He never said that about any of his other disciples. He never, he never said uh, like he said to him. Timothy was the one. He was the man. He was, I mean, we ain't supposed to play favorites, but I'm just going to have to tell you, Timothy was Paul's favorite. He was of like mind. And he is wanting him to know, I love you, man. I love you. Sometimes people just need to know that. Sometimes in ministry when it gets difficult, that, that you, can, you can give them all the verses you want, and it won't do near as good if you just say, hey, I love you and I care about you. So we see Paul's love. Then we see Paul's prayers. He said, not only do I love you, man, I'm praying for you night and day. I'm praying for you night and day. I know you're broken and I know you're upset and I know the tears are coming. I know you're discouraged. I know you want to quit, but man, I'm praying for you. One of the greatest things you can do for somebody you love is pray for. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about, I'm going to be praying and you never think about it again. I'm talking about legit praying. And Paul said night and day, night and day, he's praying, right? And then look at Paul's desire. He said, man, I can't wait to see you. I cannot wait to see you. Me and my wife will, uh, we'll, uh, we call that FaceTime. 
the video part on the phone, FaceTime. FaceTime. We'll uh, call Jordan on FaceTime. And she already knows. As soon as it fl flops up, it's Carter sitting there. I mean, she don't even try to answer it herself. Immediately, it's him right there. And if he, if, if, if he can't get right there, she don't even answer. She just waits till, you know, here we go. Can't wait to see him. Can't wait to see him. Paul's saying, man, I can't wait to see you. Why? Why? Look what he said. Look what he said. He's, look at this at the end of verse 4. He said, I want to see you because when I get to see you, that I may be filled with what? Joy. 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 He said, man, I can't wait to see you, Timothy. Imagine this. Imagine being able to spend the amount of time that Paul did. And keep in mind, too, uh, as far as we know, as far as we know, uh, according to Scripture, Paul didn't have any children. And this was truly, man, his boy. He, he, he basically almost raised him. I mean, you, you got to look at it that way. Can you imagine him in his early 60s and in this damp, dark, lonely place, how much of an encouragement it would be to be able to see his dearly beloved son in the faith? He says, man, Timothy, I love you. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see you. Amen? Not only does he encourage him by telling about his affection for him and, and not assuming that he knows it. But then he begins to tell him about his own assets. Not only Paul's affection, but we see Timothy's assets, what he has working for him. Verse 5 and 6. He said, now, Timothy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith. Now, unfeigned means legit. It means... Uh, uh, real, sincere. Does that make sense? Everybody good with that? How many of y'all know everybody's faith ain't real? And it's not sincere. It's not, it's, it's not genuine. There's a lot of people that have faith as long as things are going good, and then when it don't, they say, well, I lost my faith. No, you never had it. But he's saying, you got it. You have an unfeigned faith. It's real. It's legitimate. He said, that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois. Now, she was saved first. So when it comes to the gospel, his grandmother was brought to faith first. Then his mother was saved. And watch what Paul says. And I am, come on, everybody. I am persuaded that in thee also. So what's he doing? What's he doing? He is, he is telling Timothy, he is telling Timothy, one asset you have, number one, is your faith. Your faith. Timothy, I know you got it. I know you're discouraged right now, and I know you're doubtful right now, but I know your faith is real. I've already seen it. I've seen it in your grandmama. I've seen it in your mama. I've seen it in you. You have the real thing, Timothy. That's what he's doing. He's trying to encourage him and let him know. Why? Timothy's discouraged. Timothy's crying. Timothy has a tendency to get sick. He's, he's timid. He's timid. He's fearful. And so he's saying, look, man, you've got the real deal. Quit looking for stuff that you think you don't have. Uh, you know, he, he's probably, if I was to guess, he's probably comparing himself with the Apostle Paul. 
How many of y'all know, no matter what, there's never been a Timothy can, that could be a Paul in every single area. But you know what? A Timothy can be an incredible Timothy. Are y'all with me? And, and th- that's the point Paul's trying to make. You don't have to be me, but you can be you because what's in me is in you. That faith, that genuine article, it's real, Timothy. It's, it's unfeigned. It's sincere. It's legitimate. It's legitimate. You have faith on your side. Not only that, not only that, but look at his, look at his, uh, his spiritual gift. Look at the next verse. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou, what's the next two words? All three of you. Verse six, verse six. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou, everybody, say it again. Stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. Look what he's saying. He said, you've got something in you. The moment you get saved, you get a gift. Now, what's the point of the gift? To operate in your calling. Now, guess what? Timothy ain't the only one that got that. We all have that. According to Ephesians chapter number four, according to Ephesians chapter number four, every single person has received something special, an ability, a divine gifting, a divine gifting and ability to accomplish your calling. We don't all have the same calling, but we all have a gift to accomplish the calling that we do have. We're not all called to preach. We're not all called to sing. We're not all called to administrate. We're not all called to do many things. But whatever we are called to do, if you're called to preach, guess what? There's going to be something in you. And I believe Timothy had that. He said, it's in you. You might be struggling, but it's in you. It's time to say amen. Now, this is how I look at this. This is how I look at this. Uh, I like a fire. How about y'all? It's about getting that time, right? I like building a fire, sitting by the fire, roasting marshmallows, whatever. But I like a fire. When me and Tammy was dating, uh, you got you to understand, I grew up in South Florida. All right? Coconuts and crab legs and palm trees. Amen? No, no, we, I mean, it's, 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 it's 70 degrees, 80 degrees uh, in the fall, winter, summer, and spring. Amen? So there, not many houses down there had fireplaces unless you was rich and you could turn the air conditioner way up and then build a fire. That's what you did in Florida. Amen? But they had, they had a, a, a wood-burning stove. They had a wood-burning stove. All of our dates consisted of being in the living room and me playing in that wood-burning stove. Tammy hated it, but her mom was loving it. Amen. And I, I learned something about a fire. Do you know? Do you know that that fire can be roaring, blazing? I mean, just a great fire. But if you leave it alone, it has a tendency to dim. And if you leave it alone long enough and don't pay it no. It'll get to where it's just, there's no fire at all. It's just glowing a little bit and smoking. Until you. Tammy's stepdad would get so mad at me. Because it, it would get, the, 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 the wood-burning stove 
was in the living room, and the living room wasn't that big. And so if you stoked it up a lot, it'd get real hot in there. Well, it would just go dying down to the point it was getting comfortable. Man, I had to adjust that thing. I'd poke it, get it in there, and mess with it, and and they'd be in there sweating. Just What's the point? What's the point? I know you think I'm not going nowhere with this, but there's some of y'all sitting in this room right now, and you haven't paid your gift any attention whatsoever. What do you mean paid it attention? You ain't used it. God's got a calling and a job for you to do in in the local body. And you're discouraged, maybe even depressed, kind of down, you're just not feeling it, and you're just not excited like you used to be. COVID just done took the wind out of your sails, and you missed enough church that your your fires kind of died down a little bit, hadn't it? Well, guess what? It's still there. You just need to. You see, that's what's happening here. You know what? I believe believe Paul is remembering times that he watched Timothy preach for him. Or witness on the street in Athens. Or maybe witness on the streets of, of Ephesus. And Paul is remembering the times that he saw Timothy on fire. And Paul was saying, hey, you still got it in you. That thing that you've allowed to die down because you hadn't paid it, no. It's still there. There's churches that are cold as a mother-in-law's kiss in December right now. Because they... Been out of church, hadn't read their Bible. You remember? You remember the statistic I told you? It took twelve weeks. Huh? No, 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 no. Twelve weeks. Twelve weeks from the time you know when we went online. Churches all over America went online. Twelve weeks before people quit watching it all. And the, and and I would say this: that a great number, a great number of that has not returned to church, not watching online, not doing anything. I mean, let's face it. Look around, guys. Look across this building. This bottom used to be full on Wednesday night. Now, we can say what we want. We can say what we want. But I don't care how good a Christian you are. When you don't stoke that fire, you're going to get cold. When you come on Sunday, I'm stoking. When you come on Wednesday, I'm stoking. You don't even realize it. You don't even know what it's doing for that fire that's on the inside of you. But when you miss it over and over, especially for an extended period of time, you're going to feel spiritually like there ain't even a fire at all. And Paul is reminding Timothy, he says, son... The fire is not gone. You just need to. Come on, everybody. You need to. Stir it up. He's reminding him of his gift. Then look at at C, verse 7. 
For God has not given us the spirit of fear to be timid, cowardly. God has not given us the spirit of fear. So if we're struggling with that, where'd it come from? It wasn't God, right? Amen. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. We see, you not only, Paul or Timothy, in the first, first seven verses, Paul is saying, Timothy, you have my affection. You have my love. You have the assets that God has given you, the giftings God has given you. But not only that, you have, a, you have God's anointing on you. You have God's anointing on you. What did the, the anointing provide? Power, love, and a sound mind. Now keep in mind, look at look in verse 7. When you write that down, when you write that down, look in verse 7. 1, 2, and 3 under C is love, power, and a sound mind. Okay? Look at verse 7. When you get there, say amen. For God hath not... Say those two words again. Okay, now say this with me. God gave, come on, say it again, love, power, sound mind. Say it again, God gave, that means that's not something we have to manufacture. Now, this is important, and I got to hurry, but th- I, I, I got to get you this. You got to understand this. These three things here, it's not something we manufacture, it's something He has given us that we have to realize that we have and use it. Y'all with me? It's, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. I, you know, I, I, I was riding with somebody on my Polaris. Got a, a, a one of them go-kart things where you go and chase your dog down. Say amen. And it's got a button on there for four-wheel drive. But everybody didn't know that. And they're sitting there stuck. Stuck. And I did have a winch on the front, too, that they didn't have no idea about. I don't know what we're going to do. I said, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm going to hit that button right there. They had no idea. Hit the button, jump right out. What's the point? The power was there the whole time. But they didn't use it because they didn't realize it. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the same power Paul had when he preached and seen people come to Christ. You got. How do you know that? Acts 1.8. But ye shall receive. But ye shall receive. Power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnessing to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit came upon them in Acts chapter number 2, and after that, every single person that gets saved, the Holy Spirit comes on you, so you have the same power that came on Paul, that came on Peter. That came, are y'all with me? You've got it. Paul is saying, listen, Timothy, you have what you need. God has given you power, but you've got to use it. You've got to use it. 
Somebody needs to say amen. amen. And so in the first seven verses, he's, he's writing in encouragement. He's telling him what he has and what is available to him to accomplish what he's struggling with and dealing with. But then number two, I want you to see this quickly. I want you to see not only did he give him reminders to inspire courage, but we see a charge to stand unashamed. People were turning their backs on Paul right and left. They were ashamed of his imprisonment. They were ashamed of his incarceration. They were ashamed of his chains. They were ashamed of of what he was doing and what he was preaching. But Paul says, don't be ashamed. Verse number 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. And when he says testimony of our Lord, it means the gospel. It means the truth. It means what I've told you, what I've shared with you, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, right? Don't be ashamed of the message. We all, and by the way, guys, every Christian has one message. It's him. It's Christ. It's the gospel. That is what we're supposed to share. That's what we're supposed to tell. That's what we're supposed to live. That's what we're supposed to get to the ends of the earth, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Now, keep in mind, in that culture, being a slave was shameful. Being crucified was shameful. You know, to, to many of the aristocrats, it, 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 it's, it's kind of, it was kind of difficult to think, you worship a criminal? See how that works? Only criminals, the worst of the criminals were, were, were crucified. And, and so you're telling me that you're bowing down and you're worshiping a criminal that was crucified and he is, he is God, he's a king. They couldn't understand that. And they, that's shameful. That's shameful. But Paul's saying, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of the message. Don't be ashamed of the testimony. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Not only that, look what he says. Nor of me, his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given in Christ Jesus before the world began. But it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not what? Ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Keep in mind where he's at in Paul's circumstances when he's saying this. I know I'm in prison. I know I'm in chains. I know they're talking about me. I know everybody has turned their back on me and nobody will stand for me. But I'm here to tell you, I'm not ashamed of any of it. I have confidence in the one who saved me. I have confidence in the one who called me. I have confidence in the one who commissioned me. And I know everything's going to be all right. Say amen. Amen. Yes, 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 yes. Listen, a charge to stand unashamed. A, write this down. Unashamed of the message. Verses 8 through 10. Unashamed of the message. Don't be ashamed of the message. Why? Because of God's grace. Verse 9. Because of God's grace. How could Paul be ashamed of a message of forgiveness for what he's done? Paul himself said, hey, if it wasn't for the grace of God, amen? 
And by the way, we all can say that. Now, how many of y'all have realized right now that we all should be in hell right now? And the only reason we're not all in hell right now is because of the amazing grace of God. Don't be ashamed of that message. Don't be ashamed to tell your neighbor. Don't be ashamed to tell uh, uh, the person at work. Don't be ashamed to tell the person in line. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. We are disciples that make disciples. And the only way you can make a disciple is to share the good news, the gospel. Don't be ashamed. Say amen. Not only, not only the grace of God is reason enough not to be ashamed, but Christ's victory, verse 10, Christ's victory. He said, but it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished, come on, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light. through the God. Do y'all know the Bible says that death is our last enemy? You know, there's a lot of things to be afraid of on this earth, but death is the last one. And most people fear death, but what Paul is saying, and Paul is facing it. He already knows he's fixing to lose his head. He, he knows. He knows he's got the sentence of death on him. But he's telling Timothy, hey, don't sweat that. Because Jesus come to abolish death. Everything's going to be all right. Amen. Hurry, 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 hurry. So we're not to be ashamed of A, we're not to be ashamed of the, come on everybody, ashamed of the message, don't be ashamed. Then B, don't be ashamed of the messenger. Look what he said in verse 8. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. You know what? It just dawned on me. I can't imagine how I would feel. I work with a staff and, and try to pour my life into them guys. And I, I can't imagine how it would feel to spend that many years in ministry together, walking hand in hand, and invest so much into a person to think they're ashamed of me. If Paul is telling Timothy not to be ashamed of him, that means his own dearly beloved son in the faith is struggling with it. Man, how, how did how did that must feel to Paul? I mean, he's hurting probably physically. He's cold because in, in a few chapters, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but in a few chapters, he's saying, please bring the cloak. Please come and see me. He's lonely. He knows everybody's abandoned him, and, and now he's having to deal with his number one son struggling with his condition. And with his situation. But this is what he tells him. He said everything we're going through. Everything I'm experiencing. Is because of my assignment. Write that down in, in, in number one. We see Paul's assignment. Verse 11. 
He said, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Watch this, verse 12. For the which cause I also suffer these things. What Paul is saying right there, he said, Timothy, God called me to do this. God commissioned me. God put me in a place. This is my job. This was my assignment from the Lord. And because of my assignment, I'm in these chains. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Basically, he's saying, I just did what I was supposed to do. Can everybody see that? He's saying, don't be ashamed of me. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of what the gospel has cost me, Timothy. This is my assignment. This is why I'm here. And by the way, it was. That was the only reason Paul was incarcerated in his prison, because he was preaching the gospel. Listen. Then we see Paul's assurance. Paul said, hey, it don't matter what people do. It don't matter what people say. It don't matter if they've all abandoned me because of this. He said, I'm not ashamed. I'm <laughs> Boy, I could feel something rising right there. <clears throat> he said, Timothy, don't be ashamed of me because I'm not. I'm not ashamed of my situation. I'm not ashamed of this prison. I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not embarrassed because of where I'm at. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed of what's happening to me because I know in whom I have believed. Not only do I know him, but I'm persuaded by him. Amen. Maybe if you're struggling with fear, maybe if you're struggling with shame, maybe if you're struggling with, with, with uh, what God has called you to do, maybe you don't know him good enough. Maybe you need to get to know him a little better. Maybe you need to get to know more of his grace and more of his mercy and more of his power and more of his strength. Maybe you need to spend some intimate time with God so you can know how much he loves you and know how he can empower you. You need to know him and be persuaded that God can. Amen. 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 He said, I'm persuaded. He said, I'm sure everything is going to be all right. I'm, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Oh, there's our, there's our key verse. Next two words. Come on. Come on. Hold fast. Number three. Quickly, four minutes. We got it. A minute per point. <clears throat> we see the importance of... Now, now, keep in mind, this is his letter. This is the first part of the letter. He's, he, he has given him reminders to inspire what? Courage. It's right there in your nose, people. It's sitting right in front of you. Okay? It's reminders to inspire courage. Then number two, we see a... <sighs> Y'all are going to call me to be late, and it's not going to be my fault. <clears throat> I'm not ashamed of my... All right? Here we go. A charge to stand unashamed. Say it again. A charge to stand unashamed. Number three, we see the importance of loyalty. Paul is encouraging and telling Timothy and teaching Timothy the importance of loyalty. Look at verse 13. 
Hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me in faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing, that truth, that, 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 that body of truth, that, that faith that I've, I have entrusted to you that was entrusted to me, the gospel, the truth, that good thing which was committed unto thee, keep. That means to guard it, keep by the Holy Ghost, which dwelleth in us. We see two, three things quickly. First, I want you to see this. If we're going to be loyal, there's got to be a dedication to the scriptures. He said, don't, don't neglect the scriptures. Don't be disloyal to the scriptures. Guard the word. Guard the truth. There's going to be a great falling away. In the last days, perilous times shall come. They shall heap upon them teachers having itching ears. But preach the word. I received the truth. I gave you the truth. Now you deposit the truth in someone else. What, what did he say in chapter number two? Well, you don't know yet because we ain't got there. But in chapter number two, he says, That which thou hast learned of me, commit thou to faithful men, that they may be able to what? Teach others also. Paul deposited the truth in Timothy. Timothy deposited the truth in someone else, in someone else, in someone else, in someone else, in someone else. And then somebody deposited truth in me, and now I'm deposited in Phil, y'all. And I want Phil, y'all, to deposit in his children so that they can deposit it in their grandchildren. Does this make sense? That's what he's saying. He said, listen, there has to be loyalty. If there's one thing that we have to be as God's children and as God's church and as disciples, we have to be loyal to the scriptures. Not tradition, not opinions, not preferences, but the truth. Preach the word. And then say preach opinions. It say preach what you think. It didn't say preach along denominational lines. It said preach the word. Say amen. amen. Listen, there has to be a dedication to the scriptures. There's no greater way than what, how we're doing this right now. Dedication to the scriptures. But then we see the, this is the bad part. We see a desertion of the saints. They walked out on him. This is terrible. This thou knowest, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me. And then he names two of them. He names two of them. Now, if you were here during the Acts study, you, you, you know what we're talking about. As Paul went through Asia preaching the gospel and and, 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 and winning people and discipling people. He spent time with these people. Ate, ate meals, guys. He ate meals at their dinner table. He probably baptized some of them and their children. Probably had prayer with them on multiple occasions. And now he's in prison and they're ashamed of him. Listen. Don't be surprised when one day down the road somebody sitting to your right or to your left is not with you. Because there's going to be people that walk away. I'm just telling you. That's a fact. 
Paul says there's people that's just walked away. Deserted him. Listen, but he said, good old, well, kind of hard to say it like that. Onesiphorus. Good old Onesiphorus. Can you imagine in kindergarten for that little fella? <laughs> Spelling that. I mean, that's like torture. Look what he says about him. He said, everybody in Asia, including Phagellus and Hermogenes, walked away. But this, see, the diligence of a servant. If you're writing that down, I almost forgot. The diligence of a servant. He talks about someone that was loyal. The Lord give mercy unto the house of Onesiphorus, for he oft refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my chain. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day, and, and how many things he ministered unto me at Ephesus, thou knowest very well. Now what's that mean? That means that this gentleman... That means, if you're going to shut things, just, just look at me real quick, because I'm like in the red already, so. Look, look. Onesiphorus worked with Paul in Ephesus, right? He ministered with Paul, spent time with Paul, served Paul. Well, when he found out, when he found out uh, what Paul was going through, and he really didn't, he really wasn't sure. He knew he was incarcerated, but he wasn't sure where he was at. He left Ephesus and came to Rome to try to find Paul because he loved Paul. You know, he cared about Paul and he wanted to help Paul. Well, when he got there, it was difficult for him to find him. And, and much of that, there's speculation of because of the churches in Rome were against Paul and, and, and were out with Paul. So they wouldn't help, they wouldn't help you know, uh, Onesiphorus find him. Uh, the government, they hated Paul anyway, so they, they wasn't. But finally, somehow or another, he figured out where Paul was and was able to get to him. And he said, man, he's been a blessing to me. He said, there may, there may be some that have walked away, but there still is going to be some that's true blue. That's how I want you to be, Timothy. Don't be like them other two, and don't be like the rest in Asia. Don't be ashamed. Good old one, man, I keep, Onesiphorus, he didn't care. He didn't care about the prison. He didn't care about the chains. He didn't care about the stench. He just cared about me. You know what? We need to be loyal to the scriptures, and we need to be loyal to each other. Are y'all with me? Amen. And all God's people see it. Amen.